First Corinthians chapter 9 from 16 to 23, we started talking about saved to save others. Somebody say saved to save others. Hallelujah. Yet, preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me a sacred trust. When, what then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. Yet, that's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Amen. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Amen. When I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to the Christ. To Christ. Yet I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share it in its blessing. Hallelujah. He says that I am, even though I am a free person, necessity has been laid upon me. And woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Hallelujah. I am obliged to preach the gospel. I have been saved for the purpose of saving others. How wicked and how selfish will I be if I cease to undertake the purpose for which I was apprehended. Hallelujah. I was apprehended. I was bought with a price to come and perform a function. And the function is to save others. So I cannot but do exactly what I've been paid to do. Amen. We all have been bought with a price. And we all must understand that the one who apprehended us, apprehended us for a reason. It was not because we were too good to go to hell. It was not because we hadn't sinned enough. It was not because uh, we are nice and we are, we, we are cut out for heaven. No. He did it for a purpose. Amen. So we started looking last week why we have been saved and why we need to go out there and save others. How many remember the reasons I gave? I said, number one, we are compelled by God to preach 
the gospel to others because the Lord does not want any to perish. Amen. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And that is the reason why he wants you and I to join in the labor force. Amen. I don't know about the number of Christians that are out there preaching the gospel. But if statistics is anything to go by, then I would say that the Christians in the world today are doing a very poor job. Because the fastest growing religion in the world today is, Christ, is, is Islam. Amen. And most uh, is Islamic people are not aggressive with preaching their religion. They are more into they, 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 they procreate and they make sure and ensure that their children follow their culture and their religion. And that is the mainstay. And if by um, statistics again, if Christians were to even enforce that their children become and follow their faith, then Christianity will be a, 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 almost a par, if not higher, than, than Islam. But because of the birth of selfishness, because of the birth of self, preaching the gospel has been put to the back burner. You remember I said to you last week that I was struggling to preach last week because I wanted to introduce the message of self. And the reason why you and I don't go out there to preach salvation to everybody we know and everybody we meet is because we self-preservation. What if I go and the person blanks me or in, insults me or, or ridicule me? What if I go and the person attacks me, slap me? What if I go and the person calls the police? What if I go? What if, what if I will be inconvenienced? I will be embarrassed. I will suffer. I, 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 I. The birth of selfishness is the reason why we are reluctant to save others. Amen. But you just imagine the one that preached the gospel to you. What if they had also been selfish? What do you think would have happened? How many of us in this room will agree? And how many of us watching will agree that, but for Christ, your life would have been something else? How, how, how many will agree? Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Is, am I the only one? But for Christ, but for Christ. I know for a fact that but for Christ, I might not be alive. Because it was a Russian roulette where I come from, it's either you are dead or you are somewhere else. Are you with me? But for Christ. But for Christ. I remember the people that tried to preach the gospel to me, tried to uh, encourage me. I used to run away from them. But they persisted. They persevered. They weren't, they weren't ready to give up on me. They went out of their way to chase me, to take me to church. 
These days, we cannot be bothered. We do it once, twice, and if you won't come, then you'll be there. Once I am saved, to hell with everybody else. The birth of selfishness. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says that the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for our sake. He does not want any to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. God doesn't want any to be destroyed. Hell was not made for human beings. Hell was made for Satan and his, and his fallen angels. They were prepared for hell. But now hell is undergoing a renovation. Hallelujah. Hell is undergoing expansion. They are seriously expanding hell. Why? Because Satan has managed to blind the eyes of human beings through selfishness. The temptation that came in the garden and the temptation that comes to us, it's all to do with selfishness. Hallelujah. Look at First uh, John 2.15 with me. It will show you where tempt, all the temptations that we all go through is as a result of selfishness. There are three temptations, just three in the world. How many know that? Just three, just three. Every sin you can think of can be traced to one of these three. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is, somebody say all. all. Everything that is in the world, all the things you can think of, all the sins in the world are three. For all that is in the world are what? The lust of the flesh, number one. The lust of the eyes, number two. And the pride of life. And that is not in the Father, but it's in the world. Hallelujah. So you see, lust of the, of the flesh, what has it got to do with? Self. Lust of the eyes, what has it got to do with? Self. What, what, what has pride? got to do with self. So every sin you can think of has to do with selfishness. So the greatest, the greatest sin or the greatest weakness that human beings have is selfishness. Hallelujah. If we can overcome selfishness, we'll be alright. That's why I said that the most difficult human beings to marry or the most difficult human being to deal with on this earth is a human being who is selfish. Hallelujah. The reason why Christianity is what it is today is because selfishness has infiltrated the body of Christ. Are you with me? All that we're preaching these days are these three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. 
It's all about dominion, power, pride of life. Getting married, last of the flesh. Getting a better job, last of the, the flesh. Isn't it? Getting a new car, a new house, last of the eyes. A new wife, last of the eyes. New promotion, pride of life. Are you understand what I'm saying? The whole world, there's only three sins. And all those three sins can be traced to self. That's all. So when Satan came, all Satan did to Eve was to convince Eve to think about herself. Hallelujah. And all Satan would do is to convince you to think about yourself. Once you think about yourself, you are not thinking about God. So self is what stops us from doing the will of God. So when Jesus came, he says, you did not choose me. John 15, 16. He says that you did not choose me, but I chose you and I ordained you to be a priest before me, to go out of yourself, out of your convenience, out of your way, out of your, your comfort zone, to go and bring, bring forth fruits and that your fruit remain. Hallelujah. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hallelujah. John 15, 16. You can't find it. The Amplified says what? Give me the Amplified version. Have you got the Amplified version? You have not chosen me. It says that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have appointed you and placed you purposefully. Somebody say purposefully. Purposefully and planted you in the job that you are in. In the country you are in. In the family you come from. In the area you live. I have purposefully placed you there. That you go out into your circle and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, as my representative, he may give it to you. So you are an ambassador of Christ. You are a representative. God cannot come and speak. So he has sent you and I to speak on his behalf. But the only thing that will stop us from speaking on his behalf is this self. The only thing that will pre prevent us from bearing fruit is this self. Unfortunately, now we as preachers have become also so selfish that all we are preaching is to teach you how to be more selfish. Hallelujah. So Satan has managed to get into the pulpit. Are you with me? 
How many will agree with me? Because all the messages that have been preached, it's about what will benefit self. Verse 17. This is what I command you, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Hallelujah. If you seek the best for your neighbor, you will give them the gift of life. If truly you and I know that the life we have now is better than what it used to be, our life that we used to live, and you believe it truly, then you unselfishly tell somebody. Hallelujah. So when you come to church and there are empty chairs around you, those chairs are speaking to you. Those chairs are telling you that you're a selfish human being. It sounds harsh. But this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not the gospel of bless me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not the gospel of promote me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not the gospel of just heal me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just give me more. The gospel of Jesus Christ is go out there and tell them that God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. In John 14, 6, he said to, to the world, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. And how would they know? They will never know unless somebody goes to preach. And how would somebody go to preach? Unless we send them. And they will only go when there's no selfishness involved. Hallelujah. But this type of message is lost from the church. This type of message is not preached anymore. Because this type of message convicts us and makes us know how selfish and wicked we are. And it's not very nice for us to hear. Hallelujah. But that's the true gospel. That's the true gospel. The true gospel is not about us. When you carry the cross, the cross is not a fashion accessory. The cross is for you to go and sacrifice flesh, self, on the cross so that others will benefit. So you can never claim to be a Christian. Give me that cross there, please. The word Christian, I, I want to, yeah, bring it, bring it. Bring it, bring it. So, when we say Christian or Christian, in the dictionary, Christian means the bearer of Christ. And the emblem of Christianity is the cross. And once you say Christ, 
you are talking about somebody who is not selfish. Somebody who came to sacrifice. Hallelujah. Give me Philippians 2. Somebody who came to pay the price so that others will benefit. Somebody who came and laid, took the punishment of you and I so that others will be liberated and free. Quickly, Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. Quick. I'm reading from 2 all the way to 6. Therefore, if there is any encouragement and comfort in Christ, as there certainly is abundance, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship that we share, is the spirit, in the spirit, if there is any great depth of affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being the same mind and having the same love toward one another, knit together in spirit, intent on one purpose and living a life that reflects your faith and spreads the gospel, the good news. Regarding salvation through faith in Christ. Hallelujah. And we are only in chapter, verse 2. Do nothing from selfishness. Somebody say, hey. Do nothing from selfishness because once you introduce self, Satan has come into the equation. So do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through faction, factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant or self-righteous, re regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of I didn't hear you. For the interest of... Oh, say it like you mean it. For the interest of... Hallelujah. Do not merely look out for your own interest or your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Verse 5. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look at him... As your example of selfless humility, who, although he existed in the form of an unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all divine attributes, the entire nature of deity did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as he did not already possess it. As if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. But emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of, uh, expression of divine equality 
and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in, in terms of his own outward appearance as a man for divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even the death on the cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed and completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Quick. So that the name of Jesus, at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission of those that are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. Even though he had a reputation, even though he looked, uh, he was God and everything, he laid it down so that others will benefit. How many are laying some things down for others to benefit? Is the mind of Christ in us? Or do we have our own minds? Is, is the message too heavy today? The way you are bowing your heads, nobody's looking at me. Everybody's heads are down, and I'm feeling some. <laughs> How many can understand what I'm saying? Listen. Having self-preservation Thinking about yourself is an introduction that was not part of our existence here on earth. Amen. From today, make it a point that you will lose that pride. You lose that self-preservation. Yeah. Even though he was God, he did not think it robbery to be made equal, to become nothing, to become man, and come and suffer the most gruesome form of death to buy our salvation. Amen. And that is why we are compelled to preach the gospel. That is why necessity is laid upon us. And what you and I, if we don't, how can you be a representative who doesn't speak? Assuming you represent your, the, your, your nation, you have gone to a meeting, and you are supposed to represent your nation or represent your, your company in a meeting, and you get there, and instead of speaking, you go numb, you go mum, you go deaf and dumb. How many know that it's a tragedy? Because the company could have sent somebody else. You being in the room to represent your company is only a privilege. Hallelujah. Somebody else would have been there, but for you. If you hadn't been there, somebody else would have taken your place, and they might have done a better job. Amen. Hey, today, 
the message is a Wednesday, Wednesday sermon proper. The third reason why you and I need to preach the gospel. We have no choice because God has given us his trust. How many know that God trusts you and I? The reason why he chose us is because he trusts us. So we cannot let him down. Hallelujah. You just imagine that in this room, I come and I choose Beulah. Let's Beulah again. I choose Beulah to go and represent CICC in a meeting in the city, uh, in the town hall or city hall. All the church, churches are being represented to go and speak on behalf of the church. And I choose Beulah. How many know that it's not a random choice? I could have chosen anybody else. But for me to have chosen you, then means that I have faith in you. I trust you. So you cannot abuse the trust. You cannot go you, on your way to the city hall. You, you pass Nando's. And you sit in Nando's for for the three hours that you are supposed to be in the in the city hall, you go to Nando's and you don't bother to go. No, she didn't even attend. How many know that it would be a very sad thing? And how many know that I should not forgive her? Oh, how many know that I'm going to show you the scripture in the Bible, but I want to show you your punishment before I. <laughs> How many know that I should not forgive her? Because she could have said no. And I would have chosen somebody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? But she agrees to go. And she has taken all the privileges. I hired an Uber for her. I bought her a new suit to go and look the part, to go and represent. I had a meeting in the office with her to tell her what to go and say. I invested so much in her. I gave her a new computer. A new, a new Mac, MacBook. You see, you see how... As soon as I said, you see what I said? I receive it. When you said you are going to City Hall. She receives it, but she doesn't go to the City Hall. She said she didn't even receive it. She said, okay, it's like, okay. Can you see the modern Christian? The modern Christian is more interested in the suit. In the MacBook that I just got her. In the, uh, what do you call it? The Nando's that she will have. Look for that verse for me. The, the servant who knew the master's will and did not do it will receive many stripes. Look for that verse for me. The servant that knew the master. You knew exactly. You see, for some of us, it was good we didn't hear this message. 
Luke 12, 47. Put Luke 12, 47 in the Amplified for me. Luke 12, 47. And the servant who knew his master's will. I am telling you the will of the master today. In case you didn't know. The, the servant who knew the master's will and yet did not ready, get ready or act in accord with his will will be beaten with many lashes. Proper brimmings. But the one who did not know it and did things worthy of a beating will receive only few lashes. From everyone to whom much is given, much is required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. So CICC, we don't have, a, see maybe a church, the whole, the, the whole year the pastor hasn't preached this type of message. It is all about getting MacBooks and getting computers and getting overflow and getting this and getting that nandos and everything. So they didn't know. So they received few lashes. But for you and I that have been taught the will, if we refuse someone say ouch. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I don't know when we were kids, when you do something wrong in the house and uh, mommy's, mommy's reported you to dad, and you know that when you come home, when he comes home, you are going to get kings. As you are sitting there thinking about the lashes you get, then all the kids will come around you. Yeah, yeah, what about to go? Daddy's coming, you are going to get some lashes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that thing will make you cry. <laughs> because that, that is more painful than the beatings you are going to get. <laughs> How many had that? Was it me alone? <laughs> ah, the teases that you will get about the kings. And when the car drives in, then you'll come. Yeah. <laughs> You broke a glass or you broke a plate. Hey, yeah, is coming. <laughs> so I'm telling you, yeah, you are going to get some lashes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Number. Four, remember that your salvation was for others. Acts chapter 9, 13 to 16. Are you in Acts chapter 9, 13 to 16? But this is Saul who became Paul when he was on the road to Damascus and a light 
struck him and he fell. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus Christ, whom thou persecuted. It is difficult to kick against the pricks. Then when he got up, he realized that his eyes were, he couldn't see. And Jesus said to him, go to the city called, uh, to, uh, the way to the uh, road, the place called, the, the road called Street. And I have sent Ananias to come and heal you. And then he goes to Ananias to speak to him. And he said to Ananias, there is a guy called Saul who is in a house by the, the road called Street. He has been struck blind. Go and heal him. And here is the conversation with Ananias, his response to Jesus. He said that, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, especially how much suffering and evil he has brought on your saints, God's people at Jerusalem. And here in Damascus, he has the authority from the high priest to put in chains all who call on your name, confessing you as Savior. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is a deliberately chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Hallelujah. For I will make clear to him how much he must suffer and endure for my sake. In the new King James, says that I will show him how much things he must suffer for my sake. Hallelujah. We are chosen. We have been chosen. We are the choice of God to go and tell others. Anytime you introduce choice, you are introducing comparison between two things two to three people or four people or five people or five. Choice. I'm writing a book called Choices. And the book <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have a lot. Do you know my first book hasn't been uh, published as yet. My very first book was Built for Purpose. It's still sitting in my wardrobe. <laughs> but I'm writing a book on choices. And anytime you introduce choice, it means there's an alternative. Anytime God says, you are my chosen vessel, it means he had a choice. He had option. There's a, a, a passage in Luke chapter uh, 5. Is it, no, Luke chapter yeah, 5. Bible says that and while Jesus was walking by the lake Genesaret, he saw two boats. 
And the fishermen were bending their nets. And he entering into the boat of Peter said to him, launch out a little. What verse is that? Verse 2. Is it? Luke 5. See that? Verse 2. And he saw what? Two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gone out and were washing their nets. And he got into one. He had a choice between Peter and the other boat. And he chose one. So when you hear choice, it means that he could have chosen somebody else. But he chose you. Listen. Peter. He could have chosen somebody to sit where you are sitting. But he has chosen you. So it will be very it will be a mistake on your part not to find out why he chose you. And why you are sitting where you are sitting. Because if purpose is not determined, abuse is inevitable. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you don't know why you have been chosen, the probability of you missing it is great. Hallelujah. So in any position, when you find yourself in any position, you must ask yourself, why me? You find yourself as Mrs. Frankenstein. First thing you must ask, why me? Why am I the one he chose? Why am I the one she said yes to? She had options. He also has options. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. Oh, I think I'm preaching better than you're amening. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you don't know why you were chosen, I can guarantee that you make a mistake. Abuse is inevitable if you don't know why you have been chosen. Amen. John 20, 21, quickly. Are, are you learning something? John chapter 20, verse 21. Then Jesus said to them, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. The original, give me the original King James. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. King James, I didn't say new King James, I said King James, original King James. Then Jesus said to them, again, peace be unto you. As my Father had sent me, even so, send I you. Someone say, even so. Send I you. Someone say, even so. He has sent me. So where you are today, you are the choice. You are God's choice to speak. 
because God can't come to that house. God can't can't come to that workplace. God can't come to that classroom. God cannot be in that neighborhood. So he has sent you. When he sent Jesus, he came. And he paid the price for you and me. And even so, he is also sending you and I. Hallelujah. So we cannot afford to be selfish. Because Jesus wasn't selfish. He came. Hallelujah. He became a witness. Give me Isaiah 45. Verse 43. That's the 45. No, 43. Give me 43. Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Somebody say chosen. Choice again. Can you see it? You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there is no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Amen. When you go and read the first nine verses, you see how God has preserved Israel. God had preserved and given all the nice things, all the blessings, all the grace and the protection God had given to Israel. And in verse 10, he's saying that I've done all these things because you are my choice. To be my witness that I am the Lord. Hallelujah. So, we are not sending you, God is not sending you to go and, pre- go and learn a very powerful message to go and preach. You are the message. Your life is the message. Your life history is the message. 